0: Welcome to the Family Express podcast, where our destination is resilient and connected families. Come aboard with your hosts, marriage and family therapists Catherine De Bruin and Rhonda Evans, to explore the world of emotionally focused family therapy, a model developed by Sue Johnson and colleagues. Together with our guest speakers, our travels will map the EFFT landscape, highlighting lessons learned, shared fears, and the passion and curiosity that bonds our community. Welcome everybody to the Family Express. We are your hosts, Catherine and Rhonda, and we are very excited. Today is the launch of our brand new podcast, the Family Express, all things emotionally focused family therapy. Catherine, hi, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. We've been talking about doing this
1: for a long time. So welcome all our listeners. We're so pleased that you're here with us.
0: Yes, and I will echo that and say what an exciting project we've had uh, bubbling in the background, and here we are making our first go of it. So here's our introduction um, of us to all of you. Ready?
1: I'm Catherine DeBrain. I'm South African and American, and I'm a marriage and family therapist. I would say primarily my practice is working with couples and then families with young children. I also have a number of families who are going through high conflict, divorce, and court situations, and so that is some of which I'm excited to share with you.
0: Fantastic. I am Rhonda Evans. I'm uh, located in Washington State. I'm a transplant from California, so shout out to Sonoma County. Um, and I, my way of coming into family therapy, uh, to me, it feels like I've come full circle, Um, My therapy career began working with young children, um, and then moved on to teens and adolescents and then adults and then couples. And now here I am back around to wanting to work with the whole family system. And so finding EFFT, mostly Focused Family Therapy, um, and finding amazing trainers who equip us with uh, what we need in, to grow in ourselves to become a family therapist has been one of the greatest joys of my career. So I'm very excited to be a learner on this journey with you all, um, and we're, Catherine and I are very excited to bring this podcast to you.
1: Rhonda, the way that I ended up working with children, because that was never really a plan, but I ended up working in a clinic in South Africa when no one else wanted to work with kids. And because I was the newest therapist on the block, I was told, okay, you're taking this small little office and you're going to be now the, the child therapist. And so I had to kind of learn on the go, um, gathered resources from wherever I I could. And when I got to the States, I ended up um, getting certified as a registered play therapist And that's become a pretty big part of my world. I'm now a registered play therapist supervisor, and I teach at UCSD in the play therapy extension program. Um, But over the last couple of years, I'm trying to pull away a little more from that and really go more into the realm of family therapy.
0: Well, that's exciting. We have have someone in our midst who is going to be a great guide for us for all things young kids and young kids in family therapy, right? Where we are involving the kids and we're also uh, working with the parents, right? So this leads us into our next question, Catherine, which is how is EFFT different from other family work family therapy models?
1: There are a lot of amazing family therapy models out there, but I haven't seen one that does exactly what EFFT does, which in my mind makes the parents, the clients, sees that working with the caregiving system is incredibly important, that that's really what children need most, is accessible, responsive, and engaged caregivers. And Mm -hmm. understanding that when you come across parents who aren't A-R-E, accessible, responsive, and engaged, it's not because they don't want to be. It's because they are emotionally blocked on some level. The other models that are out there all recognize that too, But they come to the parental unit and try to do psychoeducation, try to help the parents by teaching them skills. Whereas EFFT believes that all parents want to be good parents, accessible parents, but that they're blocked on some level emotionally and we're there to help clear those blocks by resourcing those parents, by co-regulating and co-burdening with the caregiving system.
0: Oh, Catherine, I'm just, my body's just resonating with what you're saying. Um, And I know, I know earlier in my career, my supervision was give the parents skills. Um, And when I found my way to EFFT, and it was about helping the parents emotionally, my heart just sang a song because that just felt like that's what I would have liked as a kiddo. Uh, It's what I need as a parent myself. And so... Um, it just feels for me it's it's a home it, it It rings true that parents do get blocked emotionally, and that there are people out in the world who want to help parents become unblocked. That is such a song to my heart.
1: Rhonda, that reminds me of a John Bowlby quote, father of attachment theory. We have so much to thank him for. In nineteen fifty one he talked about parents. And his quote is, if a community values its children, it must cherish their parents. Oh. Isn't that, isn't that powerful?
0: That's very powerful. Wow. Can you read it first again?
1: Yeah. If a community values its children, then it's got to cherish
0: the parents. Wow. Wow. Catherine, as we sit here with that quote, what does that quote mean to you? Well, I find that
1: it's so easy to care about children, Mm. especially when you see children suffering, children hurting, you know, children start symptomizing in a family. Clearly, the parents and the caregivers care a lot and they call us up. And very often what they're saying is, hey, can I bring my child in? My child needs play therapy. Can you fix my child? I mean, that's an incredible caregiving intent, right, To, to bring your child and And there's there's not much that parents won't do for their children. And yet when that child gets introduced to us, it's so easy for the therapist to collude with that family system and only work with the child, Mm -hmm. only see the child's perspective and try to become everything that child needs which is what makes you as a play therapist feel pretty pretty good about yourself. Feels nice. I mean, it's fun. Who doesn't want to play with kids all day and and help them feel better? Sure. Right? Is that really what a child needs? Does a child really need me on a weekly basis to feel better? Or is helping that child a better way to do that, helping understand where their caregivers are and what might be blocking them? It reminds me of that, quote that says give a man a fish and he has food for a day teach him how to fish and he has food for a lifetime
0: right 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 so in this in this sense efft is helping that fishing process right by helping that parent get unblocked emotionally and then that parent can be are with their child and then the child can get can get and feel what they need from that attachment with that with that parent, which at the most human level, is to feel safe and to feel loved. And if you are doing that
1: for parents, you are transforming their relationship, most likely, with the emotional accessibility that they experience. You're also unlocking their skill set that they can then use with multiple children and with other people in their lives.
0: Yeah, so it sounds like it has a, a, a ripple effect. It just exactly, exactly. Yeah, it keeps on giving, right? Fish for a lifetime. Yeah, yeah,
1: but we do have to focus in the right place when that parent or caregiver makes that phone call. And we need to get that buy-in for a family system's perspective from that very first intake phone call. Yeah. And to be careful not to collude with the system, end up signing up as the child therapist that's a position that can be very hard to walk back out of again. If you want to then shift your focus to the family system,
0: right, 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 right. Starting off with that that parental buy in. Well, Catherine, so now we know a little bit about your trajectory of being a play therapist in South Africa and uh, coming to San Diego, and you know, being a teacher of play therapy. Um, Being a a trainer of play therapy, a trainer of of EFT, and now really, really kind of spearheading what it sounds to me like spearheading along with some of your fellow colleagues here, um, EFFT, right? Emotionally focused therapy with families. And so now I think the natural, the natural question is, tell us about EFFT. What is this model? So EFFT is an
1: attachment-based experiential model that's based off of emotionally focused therapy, but we're applying it to the family system. And so we still have three stages, but I think what's different to the couples therapy model, if you're familiar with that, is that in stage one, we are focusing on getting parental buy-in. Stage one is about understanding why the parenting or caregiving system is blocked, why are they not ARE, and talking them into wanting to be, essentially. And so in stage one, we certainly meet the children, we meet the whole family, whether it's an adult family or, or parents with young kids. We are still building a relationship with each person. We're understanding which relationship is most distressed, We're doing a thorough assessment, but mostly what we need in order to move into the deeper work is to get the parent or the parents on board with becoming the secure attachment haven for the children. And once they're on board to do that, once we unlock that by resourcing them and being there for them, actually, then they're able to turn around and be there for their children in stage two where the children can then talk about injuries the mistrust they have whatever else might come up
0: yeah that's that's so thank thanks for that overview some some things that are kind of coming up for me right now as we talk is this parental buy-in um and and the buy-in isn't just like an agreement to do family therapy. I feel like the buy-in you're talking about is really at a much deeper emotional level. And I want to check with you if that's if we're not just talking about buy-in to family therapy, we're actually talking about buy-in on a deeper level. Am I getting that?
1: That's a really good question. I think we can make that the topic of an entire um, episode. <laughs> Let's do it. I'll write it down. <laughs> coming soon. Coming soon. I think that buy-in for me starts in the intake phone call. Because it's an invitation to the parents to be part of the family therapy process. Okay. And so part of it starts on that initial phone call. And then definitely in the room, especially when the child's blocks, when the child's symptoms are coming up and parents may be overly focused on that, it's it's allowing the therapist to redirect them onto what's coming up for them that makes that so difficult for them. So yeah. and, the therapist is shifting from the content being the child's bad behavior, so to speak,
0: right, right, back
1: onto a process that's breaking down between the caregiver and the child, and that caregivers start to see that and are invested in working on that process changing.
0: Yeah. So part uh, parental buy-in begins with a phone call, and it continues on into those initial sessions, in those moments when. The, the difficulty uh, comes out and the struggle with the, with, the, with the child comes out and the parent begins to have a, a response to that. And then you're saying in that moment, the therapist is going to move towards that parent and help them become invested in getting curious about what's coming up for the parent when they see their child struggle.
1: Yeah, exactly. And putting the spotlight on the importance of the parent it would be so easy for a therapist to become important to the child to take over that relationship and to not honor the position of the parent. And so some of that I think is what goes into parental buy-in, which is mm. very important in particular cultures, especially if right. you think. About it.
0: Right. That unique, special relationship and role of the parent in the child's eyes and in their life. And When the parent gets blocked to their ARE, then the therapist comes alongside the parent in that process moment. And like you said, bees with the parent, helps the parent get curious, co-regulates with the parent. And through that that process of therapist to parent, that's how we can help the parent become emotionally unblocked. Am I getting it?
1: That's exactly it. I mean, it's simply said and very, very tricky to do in the moment. Oh, I'm so glad you really were hard. all of
0: us how tricky it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's honestly
1: that that's a process I haven't been able to do with some families, and I've actually lost the families from treatment because I couldn't get that parental buy-in. So that's one of the very sticky spots. It's an important shift of focus yeah. that we've got to learn how to do, um, and we will. We'll talk more about that because that's a that's a very common place for us to get blocked.
0: All right. All right. So, we'll put that on the list of another another episode topic coming, coming in the future, everybody. Um, so, does that kind of lead us into where do families get stuck, do you think? Does that kind of lead us towards trying to understand where have you seen families get stuck?
1: I think families get stuck not understanding why the children or sibling subsystems are behaving the way that they are. I think that when kids are hurting, they either can withdraw very deeply or, you know, internalizing and the other children who get very, very angry or cry and and just get flooded and have anxiety or um, so many different symptoms Mm -hmm. and and those aren't always very easy. Those are mixed emotions. Those are different reactions that can become that, that are often very hard for parents to understand.
0: Yes, when all these symptoms, when symptoms can come out in a child, a parent can get stuck in understanding where that's coming from, or even what that means, or maybe what the parent takes that symptom or behavior to mean. Yeah, precisely.
1: And if the parents don't know how to be with that, how to regulate that, what it means, what it doesn't mean, where it originated from the parents are going to try to make that better in some way, right? The parents are going to respond. Mm
0: -hmm. It would be so
1: easy for a caregiver to become reactive. And if you think about it more deeply, I mean, they're very affected by what's going on in their children. And so it offsets, it it starts up like an emotional reaction within the parent. And then we're very quickly going to see the parent's coping strategy come to light.
0: Ah, got it. Okay.
1: And oh. now we've got a parent coping strategy, interacting with a child's
0: coping strategy, and fireworks, okay. right? Right, right. And then, so the, and then in family therapy, that's where you as the therapist might see a distressed dyad.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that relationship means so much to both the child and the parent. And right. so deeply affects each of them emotionally, so that becomes threatened, and then leads to more symptomizing, right? And more fireworks, and this this pattern just becomes more rigid and intense over time.
0: Right, right. And you feel like you're just stuck in that same. A parent can feel like they're stuck in that same cycle. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. What they need some. They need some resourcing. They need some help. They need, and they need a family therapist. They can. They can turn to.
1: I say to families, when they come into parents, I say, oh my gosh, is this the hardest job in the world that none of us were really trained to do? And doesn't every parent just want another set of eyes on how are my kids doing and who are my kids and help me understand my unique child, right? It's not just that. It's not just understanding a kid. It said, you might have two kids or five kids or seven kids, and every single one of them is so different, right? right? And they're different ages, right? Yeah. different developmental stages and so just as you're maybe starting to understand one they shift into a different stage and and they need something very different so i i i let families know hey i don't have the answers i'm not coming in as someone who understands what exactly you need but i'm coming in as a resource i'm coming in to help take a look at who you are and how you all work and what you're needing and Just as a guide, I'm just going to be on this journey with you for a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of shifts me a bit into, right, the therapist is going to be a resource, a resource to the parent, right? We're not going to come in as the experts. We're going to come in as a resource. We're going to come alongside that parent as a clinician, right? So help help us with where do you think therapists get stuck? do you have a sense of where do therapists get stuck in the EFFT process or in family work or in working with parents? Okay. This is just going to be ugly. Okay. I mean, I know where I get stuck.
1: Okay. <laughs> I get stuck when I'm looking at these beautiful kids and some are really cute and small and some are adulting. Um, but when you see a child like in floods of tears or in like so much pain, And then you look over at the caregivers, at the parents, and the parents are just blocked. Mm -hmm. I have to really stop myself getting angry at the parents. So I have to watch my own reactivity.
0: Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then
1: I have to shake my head and say, well, why are these parents not understanding? It's so obvious to me where this child is coming from. And why wouldn't you want to lean in and soothe or see, respect this child, understand Right. But I have an entire skill set clinically. And so I can get stuck by um, expecting too much from the parents in that moment, expecting them to understand a signal that's coming from a child that might be very mixed.
0: Mm.
1: And I've also got to be careful not to make another mistake, which is to open up the child more and more and more. And to think if I get this child more and more vulnerable, surely then the parents will respond.
0: Right. Right. Oh yeah. That just really opens up a a real image for me in my head. I see a family sitting on a, in a therapy room. So, so you're saying some, some common places where you might get stuck. And I think us therapists could relate to this, which is our own reactions to the parents when they're not understanding their child's distress signals. Yeah. So like we, we think we get it and how come the parent doesn't get it? And we can, we can get blocked there as, as, as as, um and then you're also saying that uh, another common place a, cl- a family therapist could get stuck is believing that opening up the kid to more vulnerability will surely pull on the parents to have a responsive comforting response and you're saying that's a common uh, common mistake and misstep that that we can do
1: yeah we we do tend to see a lot of clinicians go that way i've certainly done that myself and we've got to be careful because if the children are already displaying something and the parents aren't responding in the way we'd like to see them, um, by opening up the child more, that's potentially putting the child in a precarious situation, especially yeah. you know, depending on the age of the child. But we're not going to use a child in order to pull for a caregiving response from the parents
0: right as i'm sitting here as we're talking about this place where a therapist can get stuck i'm feeling a great sense of responsibility mm, <laughs> i'm feeling mm, a great sense mm. of this is this is a very impactful place and, and role that we can have with the family mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, what comes to me when i start to have this feeling is i need i need really adequate strong training yes 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and it's, a, it's our a, own guides and, and, and trainers. Uh, to, to help yeah. Us as yeah. A therapist in that seat.
1: Well, isn't I mean, that's exactly what we do, Rhonda, right? We notice when we're getting triggered and yeah. then we look, we look for resources. And so we practice what we preach. That's right. And, <laughs> and ultimately, it's about a shift of focus. It's about a shift of focus, just noticing when we're too focused in on the child. Um, shifting that focus back to the parents and start and and trying to get curious about why not yes i'm angry with you i'm having a reaction to you as parents but let me get curious about why aren't you leaning in you're right you're not leaning in yeah be happening that's blocking you from doing something that should be very very natural and be a part of your system your caregiving system
0: right so then us as as the clinician we can notice our own reaction uh, about the parent not understanding or not being responsive and that's when we can kind of take that as a cue for ourselves to get curious about that parent come alongside that parent a little bit closer work more closely with that parent in that session around gosh what's keeping you shut down or what's bringing on this this panic or this anxiety and really kind of co-regulating with that parent and working on that reactivity. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly keeping the system as our client. Mm-hmm. And not getting triggered or triangulated into any one part of it.
0: Right. Right, keeping keeping that whole family system, the parent system as the client. And we got go to go which means we have to go towards the parent, right? Yes. Move yes. towards them in session. And and yes we we uh we need our training and our mentors to help us be able to feel comfortable to do that so we can lean towards them in that in the hard moment for us yes exactly exactly well Catherine, we are just about out of time final thoughts or reflections on our on our our, our first episode episode one i think we did it um yes. yeah what's our what's our takeaway what's your takeaway for for today
1: I think just an encouragement to all the therapists or even parents who might be listening that family therapy is so magical. It's so powerful because we have large family systems that can all be changed pretty quickly in the course of family therapy. You don't have to be a family of five people who are all seeing five different therapists. It's just too much. It costs too much. There's not enough time in the day. Right, right. Move together, move together as a group. And I know that there's cultures and countries out there where family work just makes more sense because we already operate as a group mm-hmm. uh, with the whole. And so honor honor the people who have a voice in your family, bring them in and make them part of the treatment. Um let's let's get equipped as therapists to know how to work with large family systems and see our work take off more quickly and and have more effect.
0: I love it. I love it. I f- I feel encouraged as well. And I have the, I have the image of the Family Express our our train, right? And I can just see the wheels of the train just kind of chugging along here. And we're going to help everybody get equipped and uh, feel more comfortable, get a better lay of the land, a roadmap for EFFT with with families. So how exciting is this? This is awesome.
1: We have lots of amazing speakers coming up, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Please send us your questions, send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you, our audience. Thank you for listening today.
0: Thanks, everybody. Stay tuned. We'll talk to you next time. That's it for today, folks. Thank you for listening. And we hope to see you again for our next journey.